Welcome to ABC, Abergavenny Baptist Church, Building Faith and Friendship. You are listening to a sermon series through the second half of the Gospel of Mark, entitled, Come Die With Me. After a mountaintop experience comes the valley experience. Whenever I'm having a mountaintop experience, when everything seems to be going so well and I seem to be so close to God... I brace myself for the, mount, for the valley experience because I know it's coming. You see, a mountaintop experience prepares us for real life, for real problems. It's not to spare us from the problems. And as Jesus with his three friends, Peter, James, and John, come down from the awesome mountaintop experience with God, the transfiguration, As they're coming down, they walk straight into a valley experience. Bickering, failure, suffering, and evil. And we read in verses 14 and 15, When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them, and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder, and they ran to greet Him. Just as Moses, when he came down the mountain and he found everyone complaining and grumbling and demonstrating a lack of faith, as Jesus comes down the mountain, he finds this crowd and this commotion. And he asks in verse 16, what are you arguing with them about? Verses 17 and 18, the man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought my, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. When it seizes him, he throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. This father's son is possessed by an unclean spirit. But judging by the symptoms, he seems to be having an epileptic seizure. And in verse 22, we also told that he's prone to self-harm. So is this an epileptic seizure or is this an evil spirit? Is this an epileptic seizure with a severe uh, mental disorder of self-harm? Or is this an evil spirit? I don't think it's an either-or situation, but rather a both-and. You see, we as modern Westerners are so dualistic. We, we think it's either going to be a mental or a medical disorder that needs to be treated with medication and psychotherapy, or it's a spiritual demonic disorder that needs to be treated with religious rituals and prayer. And we become extremely dualistic in our thinking. I think we need to be more holistic in our understanding. We're not just a, a body and a mind. We also have a spirit, and it's all interconnected. Our spirit affects our body and our mind and our body and our mind affects our spirit. So we need, we need to treat people with medication and with counseling and prayer. But ultimately, the source and the root of all suffering and mental disorder and sickness is evil itself. Evil spiritual powers. And this is a severe case. And the Father says at the end of verse 18, I asked your disciples to drive out the Spirit, but they could not. 
And so over here we suddenly get an understanding of why there's this commotion. This father has brought his epileptic son to Jesus to be healed, but Jesus is up the mountain. So he asked the disciples if they can help. And they probably said, yes. We can do this. We have done this before. We did this back in Mark chapter 6 and verse 13. Yes, we can do this. Bring the boy to us. And the teachers of the law are there. The Jesus' biggest critics are there. And they probably say, no, you can't. You can't do that. You don't have the authority to do that. And the disciples are saying, yes, we can. Watch this. And then nothing happens. And the teachers of the law probably started heckling. See, we told you so. You and your rabbi Jesus are a bunch of phonies. And so the argument starts. And the poor desperate father, all he wants is his son to be healed. He doesn't care about this theological bickering. And it's at this point that Jesus arrives on the scene. And Jesus says in verse 19, You unbelieving generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long should I put up with you? And Jesus is probably including the Father and, and the, the, the teachers of the law in his description, you unbelieving generation. But his main focus, he's directing this comment to his disciples. You unbelieving generation. How long shall I stay with you? How long should I put up with you? And it sounds like Jesus is slightly annoyed with them. He's a little frustrated with them. Now so often, uh, uh, super spiritual Christians will say that you should never get annoyed. Because Jesus never gets annoyed. Those type of Christians annoy me. Jesus gets annoyed. The difference is, I get annoyed with a slow driver in front of me. Jesus gets annoyed with evil and suffering within the world. Jesus is annoyed because this father is desperate to see his son get healed. Jesus is annoyed because his disciples should have been able to resolve the situation, but they lacked the faith. So he's annoyed with them. Is Jesus annoyed with you because you lack faith? And it always sounds like a lament psalm. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? You kind of think Jesus is about to start a jobs fair at the bottom of the mountain. Because these disciples seem defective. Got to get himself some new disciples. But you know the answer to Jesus' question? How long should I put up with you? The answer is forever. Jesus never gives up on them. Jesus dies for them. Jesus will never give up on us. It doesn't matter how often we, we lack faith. It doesn't matter how often we get things wrong. Jesus never gives up on us. And just like a parent might lament, how long should I put up with you? Yet a loving parent never gives up on their child. And Jesus' frustration with his disciples prompts him into action. Jesus doesn't reside in despair. 
but rather it moves him into action. And that's a good lesson for us when we face frustrations in life. At the end of verse 19, Jesus says, Bring the boy to me. Verse 20, So they brought him. When the Spirit saw Jesus and immediately threw the boy into a convulsion, he fell onto the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Verse 21, Jesus asked the boy's father, How long has he been like this? Jesus shows a genuine compassion for the son and his condition and a compassion for the father's suffering. How long has he been like this? And Jesus is genuinely concerned about our suffering. The father answers, from childhood. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. This evil spirit has been trying to destroy the little boy. And it's been happening until, since he was very young. And you get a feeling that the father is so desperate that he's tried everything. You get the feeling that the more the father has tried to help, the worse it's got. You get the fear that he's so desperate, he's tried everything. This is his last resort. Nothing else has worked. And so he says to Jesus, but if you can do anything, no one else has been able to do anything. Even your disciples couldn't do anything. But if you are able to do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can do anything, everything seems more demanding now. In the first half of Mark's gospel, faith seems to come easy to people. The woman touches Jesus and she's healed. The leper says, you can make me clean. Jairus says, put your hands on my daughter and she will get healed. Faith seems to come easy. But now, faith seems to come hard. Seems to be a lot harder. For this father to have faith. It's possible when the father left home he had faith that Jesus could heal. But maybe since the disciples weren't able to do it. He's suddenly not so sure anymore. And he kind of says with a shrug in his shoulders. If you can do anything. And today faith is, often comes very hard for people. It doesn't come easy. Jesus replies in verse 23, If you can, what do you mean if you can? Everything is possible for the one who believes. What Jesus is effectively saying is, I can do everything. Everything is possible for me. But the real question is, do you believe I can do this for you? If you're struggling to have faith and you're finding faith comes hard, then Jesus is asking you the same question. Do you believe I can do this for you? The father answers in verse 24, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. What an awesome answer. What an awesome prayer. You see, so often we think you either have faith or you don't. But in reality, there's often this strange mix of faith with some doubt. And he, he declares, I do believe. Please help me overcome my unbelief. And if you struggle with faith and faith doesn't come easy, what we 
we learn over here is you don't need perfect faith to come to Jesus. You just need enough faith to ask Jesus in prayer, say, I do believe. I I want to believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Like the Father, He acknowledges His belief, but at the same time, He acknowledges that His faith isn't perfect. And He asks Jesus to help Him overcome His unbelief. And it's this This faith, this honest faith that is honest enough to admit that your faith isn't perfect, that you want to believe, but you confess there is some doubt, but you call out to Jesus for help. It's this faith that Jesus responds to. And we read in verse uh, 25, When Jesus saw the crowd was running to the scene, Jesus isn't interested in popularity or ratings. Jesus doesn't perform miracles for the entertainment of the crowd, for sightseers. Jesus, and, and Jesus wants to deal with this before it turns into a circus. And so he, we read, He rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, He said, I command you to come out of Him and never enter Him again. Verse 26, the spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. And the boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he is dead. This boy looked like he had died. I can just imagine the whispering in the crowd. He killed him. And the disciples were probably thinking, well, at least we didn't kill him. Jesus, you just went and finished him off. But Jesus was Quite confidence. We read in verse 27, But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. Now the word lifted and stood up, literally raised and rise, are words that are regularly used to describe the resurrection in the New Testament. And so this story becomes an echo of the story where Jesus raised Jairus' daughter back to life. And this story also becomes a foreshadow of Jesus' own death and resurrection. For it's through Jesus' death and resurrection that Jesus defeats all evil and suffering and death itself so that we can experience eternal life. But this story is also an illustration for every disciple's journey. When you start following Jesus, things often get worse before it gets better. And Jesus calls us to die to self so that we may experience life, true life, eternal life. So are you prepared to come die with Jesus? Verse 28, After Jesus had gone indoors, the disciples asked Him privately, Why couldn't we drive it out? Why couldn't they drive out this evil spirit? I mean, they'd done it before in the past. Jesus clearly expected them to be able to do it. So why couldn't they do it now? Jesus replies in verse 29, This kind can come out only by prayer. This kind? What, are there different kinds of evil spirits, like a hierarchy? And do you get a, a, like a normal kind, an everyday generic garden version that you, 
You can drive out without prayer. And also, when Jesus drives out this evil spirit, he doesn't pray. The only thing close to a prayer in this story is the Father's plead. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Is that the prayer that Jesus is referring to? Possibly. I mean, Jesus does start off by claiming that the disciples are an unbelieving generation. So what is the disciples' real problem? And how does that relate to a lack of prayer and a lack of faith? I think the clue is in verse 28 where they say, Why couldn't we? They seem to be focusing on we rather than God. Why couldn't we do it? We have done this before. What is wrong with our techniques? I can just imagine the disciples trying to drive out this evil spirit. Well, well, what's the technique? What did Jesus say? Oh yes, he said, evil spirit, get out. Let's try that. Evil spirit, get out. Nothing. Oh, well, remember when Jesus healed the blind guy, he spat. Let's try spitting. Nothing. Well, Jesus also put his finger in that blind eye's eye. Let's put our fingers in his ear and spit on him and say, evil spirit, out. Still nothing. You see, it's not about technique. And when Jesus says they need prayer, he's not saying they need to add another technique. Say certain words in a certain way as if prayer is some kind of magical incantation. No. Rather, when Jesus suggests they need to pray, that he's suggesting that they need to stop focusing on themselves and their ability, and they need to open themselves up to God and become totally dependent on God doing something through them. Prayer is about becoming completely dependent on God and not on ourselves. And that's faith. Faith is trusting Jesus, becoming totally dependent upon Jesus. And it's so easy for us to laugh at the disciples, but so often I say, oh, I can do this. I can handle it. I don't need to pray about this. I've done this before. I can do this all by myself. And soon as we think like that, well, soon as I think like that, my ministry becomes completely ineffective. Soon as we stop walking by faith and by prayer and start doing stuff in our own strength and start relying on ourselves, that's when things will stop happening. Oh, on the physical level, it might look perfect. Everything might be seemingly like it's great, but on a spiritual level, your ministry has become ineffective. And it's the same with our Christian walk. Jesus has called us to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Him. That is hard. If you think, oh, I've got this, I can handle this, I can do this, you will fail. If you think, oh, I can overcome this sin, I can overcome this bad habit, you will fail. That's why we need prayer. And the prayer that I pray more often than anything else is simply, God, I can't. I can't do this. I can't do this. Without you, I need you. I need your help. It's only with you that I can do this. I can't deny myself. 
I can't pick up this cross. I can't follow you without your help. I need you, God. I need your strength. I need your help. That is faith. That is being totally dependent on God. You see, the Christian life is all about faith. It starts with faith and it ends with faith. It starts with us praying, I do believe. Please help me overcome my unbelief. And then each step along the journey, especially when life gets tough, and life will get tough, we pray, I do believe. Please help overcome my unbelief. Please help me. Help me trust you. Please help me to be the person you've called me to be. Please give me the strength to go on. I need you. We never graduate from faith. And that's why we need faith and prayer. So do you find faith comes hard to you? Do you find that your faith sometimes feels like it's crumbling? It's been tossed about by all the hard times in life, all the evil within the world. Well, if that's so, how do you overcome it? How do you reverse that? You need to pray. And you need to have faith. And faith doesn't always come first. Sometimes it happens almost at the same time. You might say, well, I don't have the faith to to pray. Well, then pray that you get faith. It really boils down to faith and prayer. We often try to make the Christian life so complicated, but the spiritual life is pretty easy. Not easy, sorry, pretty simple. Very different to easy. It's pretty simple. It's about denying self, picking up your cross, and following Jesus. And we can only do that with prayer and faith. So with prayer and faith, are you prepared to come Die with Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we we confess that so often we slip into trying to do things our own way. So often we become like the disciples and we think, oh yes, we've done this, we've been there before, we can do this, we can handle it. And without even knowing it, Father, we confess that we take our eyes off you and we put our eyes on our own strength and ability. Father, help us always to be focused on you. Help us to always cry out to you for help. And Father, we confess that so often we do have doubts. We have faith, but, but Father, we also have doubts. There's a strange mix of faith and doubt. And Father, we want to believe. And, and so we, con- we want to declare this morning that we do believe. We want to believe. Oh, Father, won't you please help us overcome our unbelief. Father, won't you give us the faith. Won't you give us the energy and the strength to carry on? And Father, we thank you that you do. That because of what Jesus has done for us, you give us your Holy Spirit to empower us and enable us to die to self and to take up our cross and follow you. Maybe if you're struggling with faith and you're finding faith come hard, maybe you should pray that prayer that the Father prayed. Make it your prayer this, this morning. Father, I do believe. Won't you please help overcome my unbelief? Make today a day that 
You realign yourself on that journey and you move forward.